Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. We've got a ton to talk about this week. We're going to start things off by talking about the Salt Lake City registration, which just kind of came out out of nowhere. No real announcement. Just boom. All of a sudden, here it is. Salt Lake City. Go register. We've got our early impressions of the new Pokemon TCG expansion, Lost Origin. We're also going to be talking about the PTCG Live booth that was at Worlds. Yes, that's right. The PTCG Live developers made an in-person appearance at the World Championships. We're going to talk about that, what that was all about. We'll, of course, have everyone's favorite segment, Guess That Flavor Text. And then this weekend, the 2022-2023 season kicks off with three different tournaments here in North America. We've got the Baltimore Regional Championships. There's another regionals happening in Brazil, and then the Bilbo Special Event occurring in Spain. I am ready to get into it. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, and as always, I'm joined here by my co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing? How was your week, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Getting back into the swing of things as far as uh, content creation goes. So, you know, like the... I feel like the that is upload. the sentence you've said. The last like five <laughs> episodes. Yeah, uh, but I feel like th this is like I guess not back to the same things, but I've actually been you know grinding for a couple weeks now, which is I have something I've not been, been able... posting a lot more videos. Yes. Yes, which is something I've not been able to do for a while. Well, actually, well, I just got back from Worlds what two weeks ago? Is it three weeks? It's it been a little like while actually. Three weeks, it? yeah. Yeah. Okay, but um, but yeah, now with the new set out and everything, feels good to be you know back to uploading daily on the YouTube, streaming almost daily. Uh, stuff like that and unfortunately it's gonna be cut a little bit short here towards the end of this month pretty busy couple regionals and a uh, wedding to go to so i'm not gonna be doing that much content over the next couple weeks but uh trying to get as much as i can done now to hopefully uh stay caught up over those weeks uh but uh how about you chip how was your week how's uh how's the first uh you know first couple weeks of uh parenthood been now it's good, man. It's good. It's still crazy time. Still a lot of new things. I actually have to give a big thank you, though, real quick to the Pokemon company who sent my son a gift, a bunch of how-to books about, po you know, with Pokemon, ABCs, one, two, three, shapes and colors, um, a bunch of plushes, and then a kind note welcoming a new trainer into the world. It was really cool. <laughs> they reached out to me and asked if it would be all right for them to, to send this little gift to baby Samuel. And, of course... I was like, please, thank you. That is amazing. Very kind of them. So thanks to the Pokemon Company for that. Uh, but yeah, being a parent has been, uh, you know, still something we're learning about. Um, <laughs> I feel like we actually got pretty lucky early on and he wasn't crazy crying and fussing through the night, which is probably a little abnormal. Like we actually would have to set alarms to wake up to feed him at night. Like he wasn't like crying, waking us up, which is what I think happens a lot of the time. Um, but now a couple weeks in, he is starting to be, he's found his voice a little bit. So we'll say <laughs> being a little bit more restless through the night. So we have been sleeping a little bit less the last few nights compared to the last couple weeks, but things are good, man. Things are good. It's good to hear. So we are going to kick things off this week, starting with the Salt Lake City Regional Championships. Now, we've talked a ton about registration for these Pokemon Regionals over the last few weeks. Um, it seems like things have been in a pretty good spot as far as for Baltimore, Peoria. Things were, you know, there was a little bit of drama around Baltimore's registration, but overall, the announcement came. People were able to register. I think you can still register for both events. I don't think that they're 
quite capped, uh, which is definitely a good sign as well. Um, I went online because I'm not registered for either of them and tried to see if I could register and I didn't get stopped. Um, but I do believe both are over a thousand masters for the TCG. So really good sign. It seems like it's going to be a really strong start to the season for the Pokemon TCG, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, but then out of nowhere, this Salt Lake City Regionals registration drops and, and this feels like people kind of got blindsided by this. So how did you find out about it, Azula? Did you get registered? Did you, did you get a spot in there? Yeah, I did get registered. I don't think it's filled up yet. I actually don't know. I guess you'd have to go over there and check, to be honest, because I can't. If I I'm click, sure it's not. I have, like, I can see the go to registration button available, so I think that means. I will attempt to register. register. Give me one moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go through the initial process. But, uh, yeah, no, I just saw it in a tweet from uh, another player, Alex Wilson. Uh, saw their tweet, and they were like, yo, for anyone who didn't know, because most of you probably don't know, uh, Registration is uh, going to be up, it looks like, for Salt Lake City in 30 minutes. And uh, I was like, oh, wait, what? And I went over to the RK9 uh, the RK9 page, and yeah, it was uh, 6 p.m. Uh, mountain time. I don't know why they would use the mountain time. I guess that is where That's Salt Lake, where Salt Lake, is, Lake City is. Nobody, nobody knows mountain time. Just convert it to EST or PST, and so many more people will – like, people look at mountain time, they're okay, like, I fair. don't know what time that is. That's a <laughs> like, fake time zone, honestly. Um, it is. That's the fakest of time zones. <laughs> like, mountain time is the fakest unless you actually live – somewhere where mountain time is so that was the first thing it was like well they probably should have converted that to est or pst to make it easier for people because like those are the big time zones like it's not i'm not trying to be discriminating against other time zones those are just the two big time zones no one cares about central or nobody's gonna come after you because you're (laughs) you're not gonna get canceled someone's gonna come talking trash about mountain time bro mountain timers are gonna be coming out of their mountains (laughs) (laughs) crawling out from under the mountains Are there just dwarves that live in mountains? <laughs> yeah, the dwarves from Lord of the Rings that are coming out of the mountain and get come after me for calling out mountain time. Um, but yeah, no, I just saw, saw it on Twitter. It just dropped on Twitter. Uh, no official tweet from uh, the, the organizers or play Pokemon, just the community, you know, coming together, realizing it was happening, putting the information out there for everyone else to see. And yeah, I got easily registered on time. I'm pretty sure you can still register. You can. Right I just tried now. to register. It is still open. So it'll probably still be open when this episode actually goes live because we're, yes. you know, a little bit in the past right now, but not too much. So <laughs> if you haven't registered for Salt Lake City Regionals, you should probably go do that still just to be safe or Baltimore or Peoria if you plan on going to those. Go register for those as well. Uh, but yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere for sure. And part of the issue here, I think, is the fact that the organizer does not have social media. There is no Twitter account to follow to get live updates from uh, Team Northwest, I believe, is the the group putting on this regionals. So if you don't know, I've got this tweet pulled up here on the YouTube channel showing Christopher Shemansky giving a little bit of information here to everyone. The, the regionals this season in North America are kind of broken up into three different organizers. We've got the East Coast, which is going to be run by Overload Events. So that'll be Baltimore, Toronto, uh, Orlando, Charlotte, and BDL. I don't know what airport BDL is. <laughs> um, well, that's going to be Baltimore. No, BWI is Baltimore. Oh. It's yeah, one of the later ones. Anyway, but uh, oh, hang on. I think I've got the regional schedule pulled up here. Hartford. Yeah, no, I'm not... It's probably Hartford. Okay. And yeah, I'm BDL. That, I've never flown into a BDL. I've flown into Hartford all the time. Yeah, also think it's funny that Christopher put <laughs> all the airport codes as the locations instead of like <laughs> the I mean, city that is that helpful, in. to be honest. It is. It is. Um, 
And then the middle of the country or the Midwest, whatever you want to say, is going to be, yes, Central is going to be day two events. There's going to be Peoria, um, Arlington. Man, I I really should have looked up these airport codes before (laughs) I uh, started reading this. But yeah, just kind of all the regionals that take place in the middle part of the country. And then there's going to be Team Northwest, which is going to be all the Western stuff, Salt Lake City, like we mentioned. And as you can see here on Christopher's tweet, there's no <laughs> symbol to to go to their account and get updates no or anything like that. So they they don't really have any social media. So really the only way to get updates from them is to just check their website and just refresh and hope to get more information. And uh, hopefully they, you know, updated at a reasonable time. But it's just like you it's really in the age of Twitter. <laughs> there's no it feels like that is the best way for there to be announcements or either on Twitter or on the official Pokemon website. That would really yeah. be kind of the, the what should happen for these regionals is there should be a tweet from play Pokemon and there should be a post on the Pokemon website saying that these registrations are live for these tournaments when they go live. But for some reason that has never been a thing. <laughs> I think play Pokemon's tweeted a couple times just I for think. the internationals. Okay. Just for the internet, which doesn't make any sense. These are play Pokemon is the, uh what is it that it's the it's the organized play of the pokemon tcg vgc unite like that's that they that is like the encompassing of all the tournaments being run right they don't run the tournaments so i guess you could argue play pokemon actually runs the ics right whereas they don't run the regionals but how is there so much disconnect between like pokemon trusting these people to run their tournaments but then their official tournament twitter doesn't retweet these uh, retweet or tweet out the registration for these tournaments only the ICs which those are actually run by Pokemon and Worlds as well but these ones are like you're still trusting these people to run your events you should also make it like play Pokemon is the Twitter for yeah tournaments why is that not tweeting when registrations go live for yep. regionals like a week before well, I mean of course yeah when do every registration is available it should tweet it out alongside it. and they should be organized and the, the, the TO should be like hey play Pokemon Twitter we're uh, opening registration for our event at this date we're going to tweet about it you should tweet about it as well and then they both tweet about it simultaneously and you know at some point leading up to the registration uh, of course this one just kind of got dropped on us um from people just checking rk9 labs and even rk9 only tweeted about it like 30 minutes prior to registration being live yeah like so. the usual places that we tell people to follow to get updated on things like the big two would be arcanine labs christopher shemansky and then will post is another great person to follow for like all these tournament updates and stuff uh and christopher shemansky <laughs> he was the his tweet was how i originally saw about it he said apparently registration for salt lake city opens in 17 minutes tell a friend yeah. or something <laughs> and then links the two tournaments so it's like even the people who are the most in the know we're not in the know about this, you know? <laughs> yeah, which is a little bit ridiculous. And then, like you even said, there should be some kind of post on the main website. Like, and that's where you go to find tournaments. Can you even find regional tournaments on like the uh, event, event locator, locator right now? You used Can to be you? able to. Yeah. I mean, the event locator, it's also like, I haven't used it in so long, but they, I used it to looks use it a way all nicer. The time, uh, whenever I was looking for like league cups and stuff in the area, right? They, they've done a major update to it. Yeah, it looks way nicer um i just googled pokemon event locator and it's like apparently there's a tournament coming up on the 17th uh near me what do we got going on (laughs) (laughs) is it like pokemon because i think pokemon league is back right so yeah that's probably what it is um but yeah i don't know if you can search for have you used to be able to search for regionals on here i mean either way i mean it kind of like if you're able to find 
you know, there should be somewhere to like find major tournaments coming up. I mean, this is more to maybe this is more so to find local stuff, which is fine, but there should be an easy resource to find that is published somewhere on the pokemon.com site where you can, you know, find there should be like a tournaments tab, right? Or or play Pokemon events. It should be under the play Pokemon events. <laughs> okay, they got the 2022 championship series. What else have they got on here? Would it shock you to know that if you look at Baltimore, Maryland, there is nothing on here that says that <laughs> there's a regional championships in Baltimore. If we look where? Like I'm looking at the event locator. I pulled up Baltimore oh. and there's nothing about the Baltimore regional championships. Yeah, which is just so like, yeah, if I go to the, yeah, like that's just so bizarre. Why is there not something there? And yeah, if I click on play Pokemon events under Pokemon.com, is there, uh, I don't even see anything for like the upcoming regionals. There's like nothing. There's play Pokemon team challenge. Season four is about to begin. Learn about play Pokemon, uh, a Pokemon VGC world championship to remember. I'll look back at the 2022 Pokemon TCG world championship, but there's nothing about the new season happening. You can scroll down to the regional championships. It does have them listed. Well, no, is this for 2022? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so if you, on the main page, scroll down and click on Pokemon Regional Championships, it takes you to the page for 2022. It doesn't even take you to the announcement for the 2023 regionals. <laughs> they are just always... The, the website has just always notoriously been so far behind, and there's really looks, no good excuse or reason for it. Yeah. And then somewhere here under when you click on play Pokemon events, it should be like one of like the new posts should be register for the Salt Lake City Regional Championships uh, happening, yada, yada, yada. And then when you click on it, it should just like take you to a page where you can then click on a link to take you to Arcanine Labs to register. Yeah. Uh, but it, I don't know. It just feels so weird that it, it doesn't do that. <laughs> like that is just so bizarre. But yeah, I have to find out it uh, on Twitter from unofficial sources. Um, so you got, yeah, got to go out of your way to like stay a little bit connected on Twitter, I guess. And I guess Facebook as well. I'm sure it got posted over on Facebook, but I would definitely say Twitter is the spot to get your information nowadays for keeping up with this kind of stuff, which apparently you have to go out of your way to to keep up with now. It's like getting worse as the season begins. <laughs> so we've had an event registration process for all three of the organizers. Now we had overload events. Who's doing the East coast. Uh, and again, once again, we're just talking about North America here, since that's where Azul and I both live. Obviously, there's a whole other set of processes for these events that are taking place in other parts of the world. But here in North America, we've got the East Coast overload events, the Central Day 2 events, and then the West Coast being Team Northwest. We've had a regionals for all three, Baltimore, Peoria, and Salt Lake, as far as registration goes at least. Uh, overload events, registration fee was $68.90. Day two events was like $66 and something, I think, right? Yeah. And then Team Northwest, you know, everyone was kind of flirting around with the number. <laughs> Nobody no wanted, wanted to, to really go commit to it. But Team Northwest, they did it. The full-on $70 price tag <laughs> to play at a regional championships. You love to see it, don't you, Azul? <laughs> yeah, so they've done it. It's full-on 70 Everyone basically rounded all the other ones up. Uh, of course, and it's been like a hot topic in the Pokemon community, which has definitely become less hostile and more so just they people just want to see receipts, right? They want to know why it's costing so much. And we kind of have been a little bit more neutral on it. We're like, well, I mean, what if venues are just costing that much, right? And uh, I'm sure stuff in like more the closer you get to the West Coast, I'm sure stuff gets more expensive. Um, I, I would assume not where you need to charge people 10 cents more expensive, but like, like if $70 is just the go to price point, um, then maybe that is just the. That's just going to be it for regionals from here on out. Once again, 
I said it. I'll say it again. I said it last podcast. I do feel like juniors and seniors should not be paying seventy dollars. I think it was seventy dollars again for it this was, one. I don't yeah. know if I. Yeah, I don't know if I can check that, but I see it. Yeah, and I. I am kind of curious. Like it is. Uh, they are different, but they're pretty close. Now, did I wonder if the the I assume the organizers have to talk to each other somewhat about this kind of stuff, right? Or maybe they don't. And did they all just end up at about the seventy dollar price point? Is that just kind of the maybe the entry fee for stuff like when you run a convention like this nowadays? Like maybe that's just what he has to entail. Yeah, I'm not sure that. Uh, I mean, it could d- definitely be the case, but once again, we just don't really see where the money's going. It's just like you know that you're having to pay seventy dollars to play in the tournament. It is what it is. There's really no point in harping on it much more because we've talked about it the last couple of weeks now. Um, yeah, regionals are more expensive. The cost of doing business is going up. If you want to play, you got to pay. And it turns out the price <laughs> to pay is $70 from here on out. So budget that into your plans through the rest of the season, depending on how many regionals you're, you're planning to go to. Yeah, I would assume it wouldn't go any higher. So we'll just see... Uh, if maybe some of them are cheaper and, and then I think that would be a good tell as to it's probably kind of price pointed to the cost of the venue. Like if some of them are cheaper, it's like, well, this venue was that much cheaper. So we can charge you, you know, 55 bucks or whatever. I mean, um, so surely we'll to... it, it's much cheaper to host an event like this in Peoria, Illinois, than it is in Salt Lake City. Right. So, I mean, yeah, but is it, it four dollars a person cheaper or should it be more than that cheaper? You know? Yeah, or do you just question. set a blanket price? This is what all of our regionals are going to cost this year. So now when we see any overload events regionals, are they all going to be $68.90? Or is it going to change between location? Or when we see Team Northwest, are they all going to be $70? Or will, once again, it change uh, depending on the location? And the West Coast ones, like you mentioned, are generally more expensive destinations. It's generally more expensive to get to the West Coast as well. Even if you live on the West Coast, I feel like a lot of the times it can be uh, a bit pricier anyway, but... You know, yeah, and maybe that's why the couple of the numbers are a little bit weird, like the sixty nine ninety. Maybe they took the average, pr- maybe they just took the average of what they would have to charge for each different venue, um, at least for those two. Like they, they were like, well, for this one we could charge fifty five, but this one we'd have to charge seventy five. Maybe they took all those numbers for each of the regionals they're going to run and they just averaged it and they came up with sixty six fifty or whatever it was. Also, before we move like- on, I do want to say we are having our first regionals this week in Baltimore. We'll talk about that shortly. We still have no information from Pokemon on how many C, uh, championship points you need for Worlds. We don't know for sure how many championship points are awarded for regional championships. I think everyone is just assuming it's going to be the same as last year, but it's like an irrelevant number if we have nothing to work towards. You know, we don't yeah. know how many points you need for Worlds. So it's just, and we don't have confirmation 100% on the prizing. Once again, I think everyone's just kind of assuming it'll be the same. It would just be really nice for that information to have been confirmed before we actually play the first regionals. Uh, so I mean, not having even... that information is putting people in a little bit of a, yeah. a questioning state. <laughs> it'd be nice to have that information like before you booked flights and hotels <laughs> yeah. and like decided to travel or take the weekend off. Like, And that's not maybe as big of a deal. A lot of people, uh, including myself, would just like to go to Pokemon events, you know, hang out with friends and just play in the tournament competitively. Um, and it's a little bit less so like, a huge tie especially for like people who are like local you know everyone's gonna still even if they don't plan to try and get their worlds invite a lot of people still just want to go and play right but um and i don't think it'll be that egregious one way or the other as far as pricing goes or cp is that it would be like this all of a sudden a ton of people wouldn't have gone to this depending on what they end up announcing but um it still would be like it still just kind of feels like that's the natural order of 
you know, the, you know, information flow in the current day and age where we should already know that, you know, a month ago or when they initially announced regionals, you know, at Worlds. Like, also, oh, no announcement yet for the Latin America International Championship state, which I think is becoming yep. an increasing. The longer they wait, the bigger of an issue it becomes for the players, because booking international flights is not cheap. And the longer you wait, the more expensive they get. So people are just kind of handcuffed, hoping that Pokemon will announce that date soon. It just hadn't happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot. They're really behind this year. And I mean, it's just sad to see because, like, I feel like they were getting better pre COVID yep. a little bit. Um, but now it's just kind of just lost all progress. And we're just no announcements for, and like, like, once again, like, I even mentioned this, like, they've had three years to come up with their plan for CP, for prizing, uh, to get the dates for the, well, I guess maybe the dates for the LAIC is a little bit different. But if they want to, like, restructure things as far as CP and prize support goes, they've had three years to do that. Like, this should have been announced. So and they had even ago, less to right? do if it's just going to be really similar, right? Yeah. <laughs> so copy paste, um, update the website. Speak. You know, I did thought I they did think I saw one comment on Twitter, and it didn't get a ton of traction. I didn't see too much else talking about it, so I don't know if there was any legitimacy behind that. Um, but someone mentioned that like TOs now have the responsibility for the prize support is basically what I, the gist of their tweet looked like. Um, and that was kind of their thing, like in defense of the $70 price. I forget who tweeted it and I don't know how I much legitimacy there that. is behind it. Yeah. And there was like no traction behind it. I didn't see anyone else mentioning it. So I kind of wrote it off. But now that I'm kind of talking through everything, I did remember seeing something like that, that they, huh. they took on a bigger burden this season. Um, I don't know where their information came from. So I don't know if it was legit or anything, but I mean, that could be it. Maybe the TOs, um, are having to put up the prize support and maybe they're just waiting for the other to to announce they're waiting for the other tos to announce what their prize support is so they can try and match it or do better or something i don't know um hopefully pokemon as far as i know pokemon provided the 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 payout for i believe for, so know, yes cash payout they've always provided that and they provide the booster boxes i believe as well and then everything else is on the tos um from from there like they they give them the money the, the prize pool and then the tos put on the rest of the show besides the the stream the stream is also run by um I think it's ESL. I don't know. I used to be ESL at some at one point, but some the, someone's doing else is doing that besides the TOs. They just have to find the space where they go. But um, so I don't know. I mean, if that's it, that would make a little bit of sense as to why it's maybe being delayed. Who knows? Hopefully, we find out that information soon. In the meantime, we will all be sitting here waiting as patiently <laughs> as we can. But moving on, of course, there was a new Pokemon TCG expansion that just released this past weekend, Lost Origin. I wrote in our outline, Lost Origins. <laughs> I keep doing that. I was doing that so much when I was like, my initial like titles for YouTube videos and stuff. I was putting Origins and everything. Lost Origin. Well, just, there's just one origin weird. that got lost. Yeah. Not all of them. Yeah. We only lost one. <laughs> All right, well, you, you start ranting about that. I got to let the cat out of the room. I'll be right back. <laughs> Azul's got an anxious cat here. Uh, but yeah, the new set came out this past Friday, so it has been out on PTCGO and PTCG Live, I believe, for a few days now. So that's been out on both PTCGO and PTCG Live, so people have had a chance to kind of play, experiments. There's been a couple tournaments with the new set legal Azul, you've been streaming a bit. Like we said, you've been getting back into the swing of things with content. Um, so what are some of your what are some of the decks that you have played? And what are some of the standouts to you? What are some of the flops? Obviously, it's still a little early. And we'll go into kind of more thoughts on Lost Origin next week, but for now, just early impressions on the set. Um, I mean, the Lost uh engine, whatever you want to call it, seems fairly good. You know, the comfy 
uh, Colrus into Mirage Gate sometimes, sometimes not actually with stuff like Cramorant uh, and just some kind of the lost box decks. You don't actually need the Mirage Gate to pull off some pretty big attacks. So all that seems good. Giratina, not the new Palkia, I don't think, which is a good thing. Not like the next in the line of, you know, Mew, Arceus, Palkia. We're not getting another one, which I think is probably for the good, for the best. It's not to say Giratina is bad, but it's not the next broken card that's going to be... 30% of the meta. I'm looking at um, some of these results here from the online events that have been completed, and there's like a ton of Curum Palkia. Like a ton. There is some Curum, yeah. No, not some. Like a ton. <laughs> like it seems <laughs> I, I like think... a huge amount of what has been played so far uh, in yeah. these tournaments. I mean, it seems it's like a new deck, right? So a lot of people want to play. I don't know how good it actually is. It kind of just seems like Ice Rider. Like, I don't know how it's that much better than Ice Rider. Of course, I haven't played. I haven't played with Kiram yet. Played with Zorak, which is definitely better than I thought it was. Um, once again, nothing broken. Nothing seems truly broken from the set. A lot of good stuff. I think the biggest thing to come out of it in general is the Lost Engine and uh, just how many decks it really can enable to be you know, reasonable decks as opposed to kind of just being bad. So yeah, the Lost Engine, biggest thing to come out of the set. And everything else has seemed pretty solid so far. So that's really cool as well. Like, yeah, stuff like Kiram, Giratina, Zorak, they all seem solid, which is cool. Like, we haven't had a set like this that has felt so well-rounded, I feel like, in a while. And, of course, I'm sure some of these will end up being quite a bit worse than they initially seem, uh, even with some tournament results behind them. Because, you know, people just want to play the new stuff. And if everyone's playing new stuff, you know, even if the, your new stuff is bad, no one else's new stuff is great yet. So you're going to beat them anyways, right? So lots to learn still, but uh, very, very much enjoying it so far. Yeah, I've only played a little bit personally, um, just had a lot going on. I will definitely play a bunch more um, after Baltimore and kind of like as things are getting geared up for Peoria, just to like familiarize my set myself with the, the new set quite a bit more. But um, I did play on PTCGO for like an hour and a half, two hours the other night, and I only played a Lost Zone engine deck, which was Comfy, the Mirage Gate, the, the Colrus, all that stuff with um amazing rare reshiram so not even an attacker from the new set and that was actually a ton of fun and i feel like like you said the the lost engine is pretty good you get to see a lot of cards it kind of reminds me of the jirachi stellar wish for welder decks of old you know where your Definitely. only supporter really is the Colrus's experiments. Like I was playing a couple bosses orders, but um, that was it for Colrus and two bosses orders. I had had some Raihans in there at one time, ended up getting rid of them um, because you just kind of want to fly through the deck. It feels like, and get to that seven cards in the lost zone very consistently on turn two. Um, Cramorant really surprised me as just like a good attacker where it's pretty easy to get four cards in the Lost Zone turn one going second. So doing 110 damage on turn one going second is pretty good, especially if you're taking a prize on like a Sobble or a Comfy or, you know, just getting that first knockout even on like a Meloetta or something like that. I've had a lot of fun yeah. with this set. I'm excited to explore it a bit more for sure. Yeah, it's definitely super sick. Definitely excited for it uh, as well. Um, but when we're talking about a lot more about that yeah, next week... Um, talk about ptcg live the booth at worlds up next and uh, i actually wish i had had a chance to actually sit down and um talk with uh with some of the uh, devs that were there i didn't know how i don't really know too much of what they had going on there to be honest like the devs were there when i like walked past the booth i was like playing every single day 
I was there. And by the time I was done playing, I was just super tired. So I never ended up going to check it out. But every time I walked past the booth area, there wasn't a whole ton of setup going on. It was just kind of like they had this extra space that was just and the booth was just at the front of like the hall that was just kind of open. So I think behind the booth, there were just a bunch of other you know, maybe staff area or something. Um, so there wasn't very much to the booth. It didn't look like I don't think you could play PTCG live at all. As far as I could tell, I actually don't know. Um, but there's basically a little area where you could walk up and there were the devs were there. As far as I could tell, you could walk through the table and go talk to them, I guess, about PTCG live. It looked like more of like an information booth about PTCG live. Um, yeah, so but we do have some. What Azul oh, was talking about here is the just at the World Championships, there was a booth set up for PTCG Live, and uh, from the picture here on Twitter, it actually does look like there's a couple tablets here where maybe there's like a demo or just people able to kind of take a look at the game and see how things work and all. And there okay. were some devs present, and it seems like there was an opportunity for people to kind of ask questions, give feedback, and see their thoughts, which is really cool to see. Um, was this it, it, from the picture on Twitter? It looks like it's not like in the main event hall. Is it? Was this like no, it's not kind of off to the side? Like, or it, it definitely was not. It does not appear. I wasn't there. Azul was. It does not appear though. Like it was like a feature <laughs> in the in no. the main area for the World Championships. It was not. Which like it wasn't that much space either. It was kind of like like you can even see in the picture for those of you on YouTube. Maybe tw uh, I don't know if you have pulled up do, for them yeah. to look at Chip. Um, but yeah, like behind them is the a bunch of hall area. Uh, but no one you couldn't go there as like a, a competitor or a, a spectator so i think that's just like it's at the front of maybe like the staff area i don't even know <laughs> like it's just at the front of a, a hall and so, like and it's not that much stuff going on there i don't know why that wasn't in the main hall um at all as well maybe it's a little bit loud it is kind of dark in there as well so actually that could be why but um less people are going to notice it and see it especially because you only see it if you come. There was like two main entrances to the to the convention center. You did walk past the PTCG live booth if you came from the main entrance, but a lot of people came from the back entrance because the the train actually got off closer at the back entrance, um, and a lot of people were staying on that side of the convention center as well. So a lot of people didn't even go to or come from the front entrance um, if they didn't want to. There was some stuff going on outside there. There was like the Pokemon Go thing and everything. So if you wanted to go over there, you had to go that way. But like a lot of people probably didn't even see or know this booth existed um, because of kind of how it was positioned in the convention center. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was just kind of, it was kind of weird and like awkwardly placed over there, it felt like for sure. And it wasn't that much space either. So I don't know why it wasn't in the in the main hall. So we got to um, give a big thanks to the Kalos Network over on Twitter. These are all things that they posted, uh, questions that they asked of the devs, and kind of some of their responses. So we're going to go through some of these things, some comments from TCG Live developers. Not anything we've had before, really. <laughs> like kind of just a couple forum posts here and there, it feels like. Um, but yeah, big shout-outs to Kalos Network for asking some questions and posting them, sharing them online for everyone to to see and react to so let's go through it here a bunch of different bullet points here they said number one all of the mechanics had to be written from scratch so i don't think this is really a surprise you're kind of starting yeah. a new ptcgo is developed by an out-of-house studio ptcg live is being developed by the pokemon company international so no real surprise that they had to start from scratch i'm sure that is a ton of work but you know it's a big company they got a lot of money <laughs> you can pay a yeah. lot of people to do the work right um yeah Number two, the YouTuber feedback was very useful, if not brutal. And I think that we were probably contributors <laughs> of that. Uh, I do want to be clear. 
our our intentions are never to um berate um or like you know i i feel like it's really easy for people whenever they're giving harsh feedback but true feedback but harsh feedback it's very easy to forget that there is a real person on the other end of that that worked on this thing um but sometimes you work on something and it's just not as good as it could be right and yep. <laughs> it's, it's it's a tough thing to convey to someone in a loving way, but it does. I, I hope that all developers know that the feedback comes from a place of we love this game so much. Right. We just want it to be the best it can be. Yes. So when it's not um, or there's a bunch of stuff seeming to be done wrong or poorly, like, I mean, it's, it's good to talk, especially in this kind of landscape. Right. Where it's like the biggest brand in the world coming out with a, a trading card game client that is definitely worse than the previous trading card game client yeah um in just like an enjoyment standpoint there's obviously some like the the crafting system is obviously great but that does not make up for like i'm not gonna sit there and craft cards on stream for eight hours you know what i'm saying <laughs> like that's not the that's not all i want to do on ptcg live is craft cards i want to play some games of pokemon yes. but it's a, it's a very unenjoyable experience overall so um yeah, I mean, there's a lot, lot of work to be done. It still feels like, which is like, I mean, yeah, there's that first bullet point of all the mechanics had to be written from scratch, which is crazy. Like they admit that, like it's just so crazy. I think one of the most bizarre things out of all this is that the game was ready to release, or they wanted the game to release with Fusion Strike. Yeah, <laughs> release release with Fusion Strike, not beta release. Like they, it seems like they wanted the game to release with Fusion Strike, right? Like, and nope. <laughs> wasn't even close and we're already i mean what fusion strike was like last year's winter set right so we're only a few months away from one year <laughs> since that of time they, yeah <laughs> we're coming up on a year since the game came out right like it's pretty close uh, since the beta yeah. came out i should say so it's been a long time a lot of people lost their collections that fateful day a year ago myself yourself included yeah. but <laughs> Anyways, uh, number three is development is going well, and the beta is giving them exactly what they needed. All right. I mean, that's another one where it's like, but but how long? And I and this is like something I've actually brought up recently about PTCG Live. Is like, okay, they recognize they're doing, uh, they've done a poor job initially, right? They're working on it, which is good. They're improving. But there seems to be an endless cycle of trying to keep up with bugs. And maybe that's because half the team is working on the new look of uh, PTCG Live, which means maybe once they can convert those people and be like, okay, this is a new look. We obviously don't need all these people working on this continuously. Maybe put two more pe two people on it. Everyone else come back to helping us, you know, fix bugs, you know, get the engine ironed out so that less bugs happen when new sets, you know, are introduced into the game um, or already start preemptively working on, you know, getting those new sets into the game. Um, but if it's going to be an endless, you know, uh, kind of revolving door of bugs every time a new set drop drops, like that's not good enough, right? Like, even if it takes, like, especially if it's going to take them a week or so to fix some of these bugs, that's just not good enough in uh, this day and age. Like, to be as big as Pokemon is with a Trident Gower game plan, when the game officially releases, if the next set drops and there's game-breaking bugs off the rip, like a lot of them, um, and they don't get, it takes a long time to get fixed, like, that's not good enough. That's when you need to, like, you need to hire more people or better people to get on the job at that point. So, um, and we'll see where that goes, right? It says the beta is giving them exactly what they needed, but how, what is the what is the time frame of how much information do they need? Like, are we going to be here for another two years? Like, it's still giving them what they need. Like, it's giving them what they need, but at what rate and at what rate are they actually, you know, getting yeah. things developed, right? Yeah. So it's already almost been a year since it seems like when they wanted to initially release PTCG Live. How much longer are we going to be 
in this beta for because beta is like the, like once again in this day and age betas don't like this don't exist anymore really like as far any the last time i played a game of a beta it's always like a week or a weekend right like i can't even remember the last time i played and it used to be this way where you betas would be longer but yeah betas for games like this it's just not a thing anymore i don't know also and to I, say that it can't I, be is like i guess maybe not wrong but like i said like in this day and age i feel like you know there's there's people who could definitely have put out ptcg live at fusion strike in a pristine condition right so there's people sure. it can be done pokemon is a very big brand they have a lot of money it should be done i think that's one of the biggest things that some people like to kind of ignore when people complain about it but it's like it just like they got the money to do it just do it you know what i'm saying yeah i do want to clarify real quick i just remembered that i did kind of misspeak so like they wanted the game to be ready at fusion strike it wasn't but the beta the beta did not come out almost a year ago the beta came oh, yeah, out yeah. With Brilliant Stars, which was like in February or March, right? So a little yeah. bit of a misspeak on my part. I do apologize. <clears throat> so number four here says new people have been brought onto the team who worked on other card games. So this is kind of, you know, this is a good sign for sure, I think. Yeah. Uh, having more people. Ex- I don't know if this is replacing people or just expanding the team, hopefully. Just expanding <laughs> the team because I think more the more people working on it probably the better right just getting more hands on deck dealing with all these different potential bugs and all these interactions and i mean because there's so many i can't imagine from a like i know very little i shouldn't say very little i know nothing about programming and like coding and all of that stuff um i can't imagine how difficult it is to code a card game where there's like so many possible interactions that could take place um so yeah, I mean, hopefully, like more hands on deck is is definitely something that it's being you know beneficial to the development process, right? Yeah, hopefully it's not a revolving door once again, right? Where it's right. like new people coming in, new bugs coming in, new bugs going out constantly. It's not new people coming in, old people going out, um, and it is just kind of building a bigger team because it does seem like they are not oh, they were not equipped initially for the the task at hand. So hopefully they are getting to the point where they are equipped and they can you know catch up. Like I said, like as long as they're going to catch up. And it's not going to take five years to catch up and get to the point where this thing can release. Um, hopefully that's just, uh, that is what that is. And not yet, yeah, not a revolving door. So there's three parts to this tweet. So that was all of part one. Part number two, a couple more bullet points here uh, from questions. It was clear that licensing is stopping them using any related Pokemon content other than the cards. So I think this is in reference to, I've seen people talking about wanting to have um, you know, like in the Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel game, you can have like a little Kuribu or like a little Yu-Gi-Oh! character person, I think, on the, your side, right? Um, and people were talking about like, why can't I have a little Pokemon character? Or why can't I have, well, instead of these ugly avatars, why can't I have like Misty <laughs> or Ash or, uh, you know, Lance? Like one of these cool characters from the game. Um, and so I think that's probably what this is in reference to. Uh, it's kind of weird that the Pokemon company is having trouble licensing pokemon intellectual property but <laughs> i mean things yeah, that... get a little confusing when you're dealing with the pokemon company international versus the pokemon company versus creatures versus game freak right like there's definitely a lot of moving parts here i feel like right yeah that's weird and that's so they're so weird that there's that big of a disconnect that like it almost seems like pokemon does not trust tpci right the pokemon <laughs> yeah. company does not trust tpci uh, you said right? it or that me. seems to be <laughs> that seems to be the disconnect um i mean at that point i almost wonder why didn't just the pokemon company make maybe that is maybe that's the question we should be asking is why didn't the pokemon company make a new training card game client um and maybe tpci will, like one of the things that i like or i bring Nintendo. up a lot is like 
or Nintendo, right? Like one of the things I bring up is like they have the money. They they are Pokemon, which means they are the Pokemon company, which means they are Nintendo. But maybe this is all in house from TPCI, and they don't actually get the money to put this together besides their own budget, right? So that's one thing I bring up, and I see a lot of other, I've seen a lot of other people bring it up is that you know theoretically this is Nintendo. They have the money, but maybe they don't have the money, which then begs the question: Is this like why? Why didn't just the Pokemon company just make this this client instead? Like that's that's what I'm curious. That's something now that I've like you know yeah. read this this bullet point. It's like yeah, they can't actually use Pokemon stuff like which is weird. Besides the cards, like that's a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> like does the Pokemon company just not trust TPCI to not ruin the Pokemon image to some extent? Yeah, it's definitely weird. And now that we kind of are talking about it, it's got me kind of thinking. Like, I mean, I don't think that the Pokemon Company International has developed any other pokemon games like i think there might be some like little kitty games on the pokemon website and stuff like that like like little flash games right um i think there's some stuff like that but like when you look at things like pokemon unite and pokemon masters and uh pokemon go like these are all games that are developed not by nintendo not by the pokemon company but not by the pokemon company international they're developed by actual game development studios right yeah, so I guess the I mean that's probably the Pokemon Company contracting them to do it though, right? Like that has to be the. Well, the, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know though because like. Um, I mean, it's them or Nintendo, right? It's not. It's one of those two are being like, "Yo, Tencent, make dude, this game." Dude, I think right? the licensing stuff. I think it does get really weird with like. I think it's like a three part ownership of the Pokemon brand between Pokemon creatures and Game Freak. I think like they all have their hands in it, and then they're like exclusive to Nintendo console. Like I don't really dude this business stuff i think is like is where things get really confusing right someone up high in the nintendo side is just like they just need to give tpci at this point i guess at this point i think initially like i mean if we could go back i would say they needed to go buy you know the hire like a game studio um and you know send some people over there who know the pokemon tcg and give them a butt ton of money um at this point maybe they should need to give at this point those who are where we are so maybe they should need to give TPCI some more money and just be like yo just like you know here you go you know this can give you more people or whatever resources you need to to get this game uh in line cuz it definitely feel, it feels like it's too slow for to me it still feels like it's taking too long and that's one thing i'm scared of is like oh, we're going to be here for another 2 years still yeah that's definitely a big concern right Uh, And then part six here says they said currency is unlikely to change from what we have now and that Pokemon had no intention to make money from the platform. They want it to be very accessible, which I think is like a very noble cause, a very, you know, good thing to desire. But also at the same time, money's a really good motivator. And if they were making a game that they were intending to make money on, they would maybe be motivated to make it a little better, you know? Um, Or if they knew they were going to make money on it, they would have a bigger budget to make the game better because they'd have more people and better people working on it, right? Yeah, and I think people, like... I think people, like, no one... like the One of the things that people disliked about PDCG Live is the fact that they couldn't buy stuff like that is one of the things that came i think up. some like, people dislike I it but stuff? i think some people are very much I, I think as soon as you put money to the game it does instantly turn some people off of like wanting to play it especially like something like Yu-Gi-Oh or uh magic arena and stuff like that i think the idea of pay to win right uh comes to mind for these people so making i i understand their thought process of wanting to make it accessible but i mean i'm definitely someone who would be fine uh you know 
spending five bucks on a deck box on PTCG Live. Like, it doesn't have to exactly. be to buy the cards. It can be to buy the extra Athletics. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you could be able to buy cards if you want. You could keep it at its current state and just, like, allow people to buy stuff in, like, deck boxes, dice, or I guess not dice, damage counters, deck boxes, coins, um, and then allow them to buy cards as well, but you could even keep it at its current state of accessibility, right? You don't have to change that if you really don't want to. Just give people the option. Um, just give people the option, yeah, to just, like, buy stuff in client, right? Because, like, nobody wants to be, like, like, I'm sure people will build up their collections eventually, but when a new set drops, right, if you just don't have credits and you get on and you want to play with the new cards, nobody wants to go... A lot of people don't. A lot of people like convenience, right? Nobody. A lot of people don't want to go to a code site and buy a bunch of codes and then input the codes and then open the packs from the codes and then get the credits. They just want to click buy 10,000 credits and then create their new yep. Giratina deck, right? Um, so I, the reason there's just no reason to not have that there, I feel like, to have that option. And then also create content around it in forms of... Uh, or not content, uh, cosmetics around it with the purpose of those being like, not maybe not purchase only, but obviously make them more expensive to the point where you either got to like grind for a little bit or, you know, you pay 10 bucks for a couple cool deck boxes, right? Or like even like play mats or different animations in the background or whatever, like stuff like that, right? Um, and then you make profit and then uh, people are happy because you can then hire people to make the cool deck boxes and animations and damage counters and coins right yeah so i, I mean, mean it's, it's unlikely a unlikely to change though it does not seem like they want to make money from this game um you know which i don't think is like the worst thing but yeah i don't think the end of i the personally world. wouldn't mind throwing a few bucks at the the game every now and then yeah and there's then, cool new cosmetics because of it for sure yeah and then part three the final step here from the callus network once again big shout outs to them for the info uh, the UI has been hard to code uh, for. Sorry, the UI has been hard to code for as it needs to fit multiple formats. Phones and iPads are considered important as their data shows that a lot of people use these devices on the old client. So I definitely, I, I think that this is something that the general like hardcore PTCGO base does not realize because I feel like most PTCGO, like the people who are playing in limitless tournaments and the competitive players are usually playing on a computer or a laptop. Right. Um, but I think that a huge amount of the player base of PTCGO, like the Pokemon trading card game online, like probably 90% of the player base of PTCGO is just random people who have gone to the app store on their iPad and typed in Pokemon and found the trading card game and play with like the little theme decks and play in the little tournaments, right? Um, that is like a huge, like overwhelming majority, most likely, of the PTCGO player base. Yeah, I would actually be curious to know that number, to be honest, which you can't really see. Um, one thing I will say to this um, is this isn't something new. Like, you play, if you play Hearthstone on the computer, or you play it on your phone, they're both fine and enjoyable. But there's a big disconnect. I've not played PTCG Live on the phone, but I know it's not great on the computer. And that's all I need to know. I don't have to play it on the phone and see it's great to know it still sucks on the computer, right? And kind of going back to like, if, you, if you're not going to get the right people to do the job, just don't do it or go find the right people, right? This is not like, it's like one thing that I actually mentioned earlier in a, in a reply to someone's tweet 
uh, a couple days ago, which is like, PTCG Live is not doing anything new. And the things they're doing wrong could all be fixed if they just copied another successful trading card game client. The like this should not be a thing that comes up and is a problem. Is that the UI is hard to code for people on uh, for multiple formats, right? Phones, iPads. Like this is something that everyone does, and it's, it works fine as far as I know, right? People yeah. with the dual links. Uh, like I said, Hearthstone is the main one I've played. It's great on the computer. Uh, I prefer it on the computer to the phone, but it's it's still really good on the phone, right? So this should not be like a an excuse, in my opinion. Like in this day and age, it just shouldn't be an excuse. And I'm, like also like. Like I said, or it's like I it hold... can be true that it's hard to code for, but at the same time, it's like what you're getting yeah, paid it... to do, right? Like... Yeah, it can be hard to code for. That can be it can be hard to code it, and it could you can take have a while a hard to job, do. Right? Like, yeah, like that's fine. But like, like I said, in this day and age, when you're when it's the Pokemon brand, I feel like this should not be something that is a complaint, right? Like, this should not be something that is not a complaint, but an excuse. I guess an excuse would be it, like, or, or like a reason that things are are tough, right? Like, that shouldn't be one of the reasons, like. It has been being done for a while now, and it's it's kind of funny to say because PTTGO was revolutionary when it released. Like compared yeah. to like compared to what was available as far as like playing card games on a computer, PTTGO was the big thing. And then Hearthstone came out, and I feel like that was the next jump in the evolution of card game clients. Um, like PTTGO was huge when it released, like in terms of what you could do and what it was. And then Hearthstone was like the next big step from what I can remember. And then you know, and and now from at this point, there's a bunch of them that have come out uh, and are successful and. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like now that we're getting PTCG Live, PTCGO was a brand new thing. It was doing a bunch of new cool things. PTCG Live is coming up short on what everyone has innovated up to onto this point and is struggling to just do the things that everything else does so well and smoothly. So like, yeah, it just it's another just feels bad for PTCG Live in that kind of uh with that kind of mindset on it. And then the final point yeah. here, no news on better releases. I don't know if that means like, you know other areas of getting the beta or anything like that no news on better releases but expecting a big ish one to come out soon so stay tuned maybe there's something coming soon but <laughs> honestly in the world of pokemon coming soon could literally mean three Two four years. five months <laughs> like it's probably knows? it's just like the new the new layout right i would assume the big the big release big news but like they had the already announced layout. that before this so it can't, i don't if if that's it that's sad okay okay <laughs> you know it's got to I mean, be something guess, better than that it says no news on better releases but expecting a big i said is that like a, a big update does that mean a big update or like a big announcement i think that's a big update then i think it would be the the board change if it's a big announcement then it would be something else right yeah i guess that's true I'd assume. So, you know, PTCG Live is still kind of sitting in limbo purgatory right now. It's unknown really exactly where um, things are at, where we're going with it. But we just got to kind of hold our breath and we'll see on the other end, right? Yep. Just keep keep hope, hoping, holding out, but like not for too long. Like, yeah, please, please not some... for too long. Yeah, I mean, at some point, it just it's just I think becomes a little bit ridiculous. Like, and yeah, I mean, I don't think we're I don't think there's like I know <laughs> Andrew's thing is scrap it, <laughs> but I don't think that's happening at all. I think this is what we're getting, um, and hopefully it, it does come out to be a great product at the end of it all. Like that's what I'm saying. Like to close it all out here at the end. I know me and Chip are harsh. I'm very harsh. Um, a lot of the content creators in the space are harsh. That's what a lot of people hear, but uh, we just want it to be good, and it and it's just uh 
it's below the bar when you compare it to anything else out there. And we were all hoping it would be something cool, new, and almost better than, you know, the Hearthstones and all that stuff. But it didn't even match them, which doesn't make any sense because they came out before it. How do you not, like, look at that and take ideas and inspiration from that and either build on it or now at the very least we're hoping you can build up to that, right, and match a Hearthstone, match a Magic Arena, um, but we're not even getting that yet. Um, and the process of it has been grueling, right? And it's been it's been tough on the community, I feel like, in general. But uh, hopefully, you know, better days ahead for uh, PTCG Live. But let's move away from that uh, PTCG Live. I always like to rant on it a little bit too much, I feel like, because <laughs> it is kind of uh, – I mean, I've been hoping for it for so long. But uh, let's move on to uh, something that will cheer everyone up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess That Flavor Text. It's my turn to pick. If you guys don't know what Guess That Flavor Text is, it's where – uh each week me or chip will pick a card for the other person to try and guess but the only hint we initially give them is the flavor text on the card so i'm going to read a flavor text here to chip Uh, i have to pull it back up again um and then chip will try and guess what pokemon that flavor text um goes with and there is three lifelines chip can use if he wants so if he guesses it without any lifelines to get four points and for each lifeline you used will lose a point and the three lifelines are what set the card is from what stage the card is and then read an attack name from the card all right chip let's get it ready? easy dubs four points incoming no problem all right it's goons take care of most of the fighting for it the only time it dirties its own hands is in Delivering a final blow to finish off an opponent. Okay, so it's goons. Like, instantly, <laughs> obviously, I'm thinking of Zigzagoon, Obstagoon. Like, that's, like, instant thoughts. Um, but I know that there's been cards before that have, like, attacks that say, like, call for goons. I think there's a card that has that attack. But now that, that I'm saying familiar. it, I kind of think it's like a Zigzagoon that has that attack, maybe. Or like, it's some dark type Pokemon, I feel like. All right, let me hear the uh, the flavor text one more time. It's goons take care of most of the fighting for it. The only time it dirties its own hands is in delivering a final blow to finish off an opponent. So, I mean, this also could be like... Um... I mean, I think this is obviously like a leader of the pack type Pokemon, right? Because it's getting all the minions to do the dirty work and then coming in to take the final strike. Um, So I could see this being definitely like a stage one or stage two Pokemon, like a final evolution. And it's using like the previous Evos to to do the dirty work. Um, All right. I'm going to need a little help here. I'm going to go with uh, what set the card is from for a lifeline. I I know four pointers for me this week. Uh, I'll use one lifeline here. <laughs> uh, lost origin. All right. Well, that is helpful. Um, uh, because I know now it is not Obstagoon or Zigzagoon. <laughs> um, hmm. Lost origin. You know, this is really uh, bad for me that it is the one new set in the last like four sets that i did not do a set review for so (laughs) (laughs) i have not read every single card in the set like i would have previously so that is definitely hindering me here a bit um i'm probably gonna need a little more help then let's do what stage the card is is stage one okay evolution and i will have you read an attack name night cyclone all right so probably a darkness type pokemon um 
I can't even, man, I've like not even opened that much of the set, to be honest. Um, like I bought one little, one of these new little things that has the six booster packs in it. That is all the packs I've opened is six packs. So I haven't even looked at it that much. Um, oh, maybe it's like a ghost type Pokemon. Could it be, um, I'm thinking of like the cards I got from this. Could it be the new like Hisuian Zoroark, just like the hollow, not the, the V-Star, obviously, um it's a stage one i don't have anything else to go with i'm gonna guess that i don't know that it's right but we'll go with hisuian zoark it is not hisuian zoark <clears throat> it is honchcrow bro and yours was murkrow last week <laughs> <laughs> no shot i read its flavor text i was like this is a good one i don't want to forget about this one and so you just not... went ahead and used it yeah it's goons <laughs> i thought you were gonna get it because like I mean that is like the like the that is like what the the a lot of the cards like do like the the Honchkos get involved with the Murkrow and all that stuff. So there are two cards you... that have the call for goons attack. That's what I was really stuck on. I was remembering it. What what are the Pokemon though? There's one that it's a Thievel from Shining Fates, and then there's the Salamence Delta Evolution promo card from like the Roaring Skies time frame. All four goons. So it was Honchcrow mm. of the new set, though. Yeah. Dang, you really you got me there with the uh, man. I because I, I gave you the Murkrow last week, and just the, the crow <laughs> really did, throws us off, I guess, huh? I didn't even think about that, but yeah, oh it gosh. did. Uh, yeah, you did. It was not uh, in my thought process at all when I picked it. I was just like, this has a, a, a funny flavor text with the <laughs> it's goons <laughs> sending the goons. Take all right. Well, I guess uh, we're still all tied up, and that's going to do it for the flavor text this week. We'll see if I can pull ahead of Chip next week. Finally, I don't know if I've ever been in the lead. I don't. Who's the first person to guess one? Actually, you definitely I think have I'm, been in the lead. Yeah, I, I, I got the, only the one lead for the, the first time. Oh, you did. Yeah, I got three to two. Yeah, you you were yeah. in the lead most of the time. This week, we've got the last set of major tournaments uh, of this format before Lost Origins is legal. We've got Lost Baltimore Origin. regionals. Lost Origin is legal. We got Baltimore <laughs> regionals. Uh, there's a regionals in uh, Sao Paulo, I believe, and then there's the special event over. It's in, in Porto Alegre. Okay, which Porto is still Alguerre. in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, in Brazil, uh, and then uh, Bilbo special event. It's back. Everyone's favorite special event, the premier event of the year, um, happening in Europe. So three more events in this format. I'll be playing in Baltimore. Um, I kind of wish it was. Lost Origin, though, to be honest, like I wish, like they just like they push it back a week. These or regionals are always so awkward, where it's like the new set is out, but we're it's not legal yet, right? And it, yeah. it makes sense why the new set's not legal. Can you imagine if you were trying to play Giratina <laughs> V Star at the first regionals of the season, and you all of a sudden before the tournament, before you even have a chance to to see if the deck is good, before you've even had adequate time to test. Um, you have to pay like pre pre order prices or like pre release prices yeah. because you want to make sure the cards get to you in time, right? Like, yeah, uh, man, like because you probably would have ordered Giratina stuff, right? So yeah. you would have had to be it would have been like 40, 50 bucks a card, probably. So it's a good thing that they're not legal, but I think they really should try to plan these events better around the release schedule because these events just feel so um, disconnected from the excitement yeah. around the new set, right? I mean, that's kind of like we talked about it earlier in the podcast. That's just more about more of the disconnect between TOs and TPCI. Like, is this is this is more of that, right? Like, why does this first regional of the season not sign up 
or not line up with like the legality date of uh lost origin right or maybe it was i guess maybe it was supposed to right because actually lost origin got delayed so maybe we can't hold this one maybe we can't hold this one over their head maybe this one we can't hold over their head to be honest maybe this one they get a pass on this one but it doesn't make up for everything else like i'm just letting, letting you know that if you're listening <laughs> from this and you work at tpci it's not like a you get a pass you don't get a, like a gold star you know what i'm saying like <laughs> We're just not taking away a gold, we're not, not taking away a gold star. Um, so yeah, I guess that's fair, right? Or Lost Origin release did get delayed. So theoretically, if it got released, you know, two weeks uh, prior, would it have been legal for Worlds if it didn't get delayed? Or no, I mean, I not think that's quite. always what their goal has been the last couple of years, right? Is for the new set to be legal for the World Championships. It just didn't yeah. quite happen that way. Um, yeah. This so. time it's this this time around it makes sense actually to be honest. So we're not going to harp too much more on the TOs and, and TPCI for this one, I guess. But um, yeah, it does feel awkward. Um, people don't care as much about the format's a little bit played out, uh, especially because like the Pokemon Go set didn't change up too much. Um, and yeah, the new set's out, so no one really cares too much about the current play. I haven't played any of the previous format. I played very little, if any, testing for Baltimore. But like, I mean, we have most of the I have most of the knowledge I need to you know, figure out what I'm going to play for it. But um, yeah, I'm like less excited for it, more excited for uh, for Peoria, to be honest. I think that's where a lot of the competitive players kind of sit. But like everyone is still going to this tournament because, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are going obviously one because it's the first regional of the season. So there's a lot of people who this will be their first regional. So um, that is definitely something that is exciting for those players. And then also... Uh, the, all the competitive players are obviously trying to compete to get championship points to try to earn stipends towards the Oceania International Championships. Because if there's one internationals to earn a stipend for, it's definitely Oceania because it is the most expensive one to to get to by far. Um, Except so, for the players who live in Australia. <laughs> for right, <them>. right. <laughs> <laughs> They're vibing. But they don't know, yeah. even know anything about their tournaments yet. So that is just... Yeah, they, but they might not have any regionals. There might be a... They would be playing cups challenges in an IC to get their points <laughs> as far as they know. Yeah. So, so much has been announced. It's great. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about Baltimore. Talk about the meta. Talk about what we think will be good, what we think people will play. How is the meta going to shape up? So we've only had one event in this format and it was worlds. So the biggest event theoretically where the most testing of the year went into um obviously the meta is not too different from the previous format right pokemon go really only brought two cards into the competitive landscape being radiant charizard and pokestop there was a couple things a line around there the lunatone soul rock definitely a <laughs> pretender not not a real deck don't play lunatone soul rock <laughs> if you're a super competitive player uh, and hoping to like win the tournament. That is not the deck to play. I don't think for Baltimore. <laughs> no, definitely. If it's your favorite deck not. and it's your first, like you know, if you obviously, I'm not gonna tell anyone what to play. I don't want to get canceled or called out. Right, play what you want to play. Have fun. But this is a competitive Pokemon TCG podcast. If you want to win the tournament, I'm gonna tell you yeah, that's a bad play. <laughs> yeah, don't play Lunatone Soul Rock if you're trying to win. I think like the uh, the top two decks I think are pretty solidified in in the Palky and Teleon. And the Mew, uh, right now, Mew's kind of made a bounce back after Worlds pretty big. Um, so I expect those to be the two most popular uh, decks in the room. I expect it to be a pretty open meta, though, in general, though. I don't think it's going to be, you know, those will be making up, like, 50% of the meta. So you It'll don't like think maybe... there'll be that much Flying Pikachu? I don't. It's It feels kind of like the same thing that happened at NIC. It had some steam immediately after I won with it. Same thing with Andre. 
had some steam. And I think if the event had taken place the week after Worlds, there would have been a lot of Flying Pikachu, and there would have been a lot of people trying to hate on Flying Pikachu. Um, but the meta developed a little bit more, and I think it's not an overly enjoyable deck to play because it's pretty vanilla. Um, and then also, I like don't think it's like head and shoulders. It's not like it's a deck that is like meta specific more so, not too meta specific, but like you know, it's really good. Against, it's a like good against Palkia, and then. Uh, you know, especially like the lists that did specifically well at Worlds, the one, two, and three, they were pretty teched out for other Arceus decks too, right? You know, I feel like they were a little bit prepared for a more narrow meta, and it worked out, of course. And yeah, so that it was great for that. But I think like I would personally go back to like Crobat Vmax and stuff because I expect Mew to be more popular at uh, Baltimore than it was at Worlds and stuff like that. Um, I don't think yeah, I don't think it's gonna be in the top two. I think it'll be like number three, number four most popular decks. I think it's, a, it's still a very strong play, um, but not quite as good when the meta is a little bit more open. I feel like. So, I mean, if we're looking at the world's results, top eight or top cut, I guess, the top nine, we've got Palkia, we've got Arceus Flying Pikachu, and we've got one Mew VMAX. It definitely does feel like Mew VMAX has picked up quite a bit more in popularity. People are remembering, okay, this deck is extremely powerful. There was another Mew VMAX player sitting at 10th place, um, a couple more in the top 32. So it did have a pretty good showing at Worlds. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that problem. my one of the questions that I'd like to pose and for us to look at. So if you, I mean, obvious. So this is like the tournament that people are gonna kind of base their deck decision on because, or like their meta game calling on is gonna be like where do things go kind of after Worlds, right? Because it's the the big event of the of the the format. Um, if you look at the top thirty two decks and you are going to be a thirty third person in this tournament. You see the 32 decks that people are playing. What deck do you think you would choose, knowing exactly how this meta breaks down? You've got three people who are playing Arceus Flying Pikachu. Or sorry, four people playing Arceus Flying Pikachu. A ton of Palkia and Tellian. Uh, a couple of Mew VMAX sprinkled in there. The couple Reggie Gigas sprinkled in. A few other rogue things. Are you just going to run it with Arceus Flying Pikachu? I mean, if I look at that, yeah. But I think I think the meta developed a little bit after that. I think people have thought about it a little bit more than that. Um, I think it's definitely developed to the point where Flying Pikachu is a deck off of people's radar as far as choice goes and, like, a deck that people expect to kind of show up as, like, a threat for sure. Because I actually don't think it's, like, that ridiculously strong. It's one of my top considerations for the tournament, Flying Pikachu. Um, but it's not, like, that ridiculously strong. Uh, I feel like it is a little bit better in a more narrow meta because you know exactly, like, do you want to play the Decidueye? Do you want to play the Crobat? Um, those are pretty big things to cut into as far as your what energy types you play. Do you go with all three, the Pikachu, the Decidueye, and the Crobat, right? Um, so in a little bit more of a narrow meta, I feel like it's a little bit stronger. Um, but I still think it's a very top, very good deck. But it's just, it's, just, it's not, it's, I mean, because we, we, we kind of saw it, right? From NAIC to Worlds, Flying Pikachu, there was like no bad matchups that came out of the Pokemon Go set for Flying Pikachu. If anything, Radiant Zard was the only deck to really show any real uh, prevalence or Lunatone Solrock, which both lose to Flying Pikachu, right? And you look at Worlds, and nobody played Flying Pikachu besides like the four people in top 32, three of which were one, two, and three. I feel yeah. like um, it's we entered the same cycle that happened after NIC where people were like, oh, the joke is like, the, the, or the deck is like, okay, but it's kind of a meme. It's actually not that good. Palky is fine into it. Actually, Palky is favored. Okay, I'm going to play Palky. I'm not going to play Flying Pikachu. So I wouldn't be surprised if Flying Pikachu just three peated because <laughs> of. Uh, people's lack of understanding of how good the deck actually is and kind of disrespecting it to be so honest you don't think it'll be that popular but you do yeah. think it's like a solid enough play for yes. the event like changing it Definitely. up a little bit from worlds like 
I would assume you're probably not a fan of the Jolteon memory capsule stuff. You probably, because I, I, like your base of not, this yeah. deck is Arceus Bieberel, right? And then Flying Pikachu is just the best partner, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. And I think I think the Jolteon was a very good call for worlds because it was a more narrow meta and Inteleon is just the way people are going to gravitate towards. But I think, you know, Reggie's making a comeback. Arceus Bieberel is more of a deck now after worlds. Like Jolteon is just not as good um going forward so i i think jolteon's not very good in there i think people will play jolteon and some could definitely see success because there will be a lot of palkia and you can always path marnie out a mew deck so you can still beat them no matter what with a good path marnie so um but yeah i would definitely stick with the the b barrel build for sure so i think that another question that begs to be asked here would be how much like you yourself said you haven't put that much time into the testing for this tournament right and i think that probably most competitive players find themselves in that spot where they you know after world especially like people who played at worlds right they find themselves like a little burnt out they've played so much pokemon you know the fall so, so a lot of people are going back to college who are who are competitive players um people getting back into the swing of their work life and stuff people preparing for the new set the new season this tournament kind of gets put to the wayside in a lot of people's minds and preparation. So at what point do people just say, okay, screw it. I'm just going to roll up with the deck that I played for worlds or the deck that I know well, um, or like, we'll say, I'll just play the best deck Palkia and Tellian and call it a day and just see what happens. Um, and not put too much more thought into it. I, I mean, actually I think that's the mindset that most people have for most tournaments. Like I, and I think that is actually one of the things that holds, back a lot of players from kind of growing as players is you got to get out there you got to play a different deck and try it out and uh it, you, you can learn so much more about the game and get better at the game when you put down the palkia deck and go pick up you know the arceus b barrel and learn how to play that deck right like you don't want to just play one deck for the whole format sure maybe you go back to it for every major tournament because after you try a bunch of other stuff out you're like well oh, this is better than palkia and Teleon, which is true but then you have to play a bunch of Palkin and Teleon mirrors the whole day. So if you enjoy that, go for it. It's not something I enjoy, so I'd rather beat him up with a Pikachu. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's like the mindset that people have for most tournaments in general, whether it be, I guess Worlds is maybe a little bit different. I think uh, Worlds is definitely a little bit different because people, I think, definitely are trying to get crazy. Um, but I think you don't want to also have the mindset of, oh, I'm just going to play something different for the sake of playing something different as well. Do you want to balance to it of where you're just trying to find the way I always think about it is I'm always just trying to find the best deck for the tournament. So sure. I think that is kind of already the mindset a lot of people have. So I think it's what we will see. We'll just see a lot of people being like, this is my favorite deck or this is the deck I know the best. So I'm just going to go with the comfort pick. So we kind of, you said what you think the two big decks are. I agree for sure. Uh, Mew VMAX and then Palkia Intellian. Uh, so I assume you would also agree that one of those two decks will be the most popular deck. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, be, which, one, actually, which one of the two do you think? Uh, I'm currently I was giving the edge to Mew in my initial thought process of the meta, uh, but I think I'm currently giving now I'm giving the edge to Palkia because um, I think the we've had enough time for the Mew hype to die down. But Palkia is not going anywhere, especially when people are showing up to a major tournament to pick a deck. It's like why not just play? And Palkia is the best deck in the format. I don't think that's really arguable, right? The easiest to to tech out for whatever matchup. You can even put Gravominable in there and beat Mewtwo V Union, right? So like you could the deck can be teched however you want it to beat for whatever you want to beat. Put Empoleon in there to really beat up on the Lunatone Soul Rocks, right? Like you have so many options and stuff. So like 
the deck is definitely the best deck in the format. Or so put I'll, the Empoleon in there if you're getting ready to beat up on some comfies. <laughs> yeah, gonna, I think that's going to become a staple. Yeah. <laughs> Lost Origins format, that's going to become a staple for sure. So I, I now I'm trying to lean towards, as we get closer to the event, I think Palkia Inteleon will be probably the most popular deck, but I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to be shocked when if, if, if it is Mew. One of those two for sure, my bet would be on Palkia, I think, though. Yeah, I think I definitely lean towards Palkia Inteleon being the most popular um, for sure in my mind. But once again it kind of goes back to that okay if palkia is the most popular deck in the room arceus flying p like you said does seem pretty solid um, it's not gonna be that popular but like, be like how a, many people 50%. recognize that how many people recognize and think like okay palkia is still the best deck i just want to beat the best deck uh and people like playing arceus and also let's not forget you know pikachu you know the mascot of the whole franchise i'm sure there's plenty <laughs> of, and badoof as well like people love these pokemon uh i feel like that I mean, it, I don't think it's unreasonable for Arceus Flying P to hold a reasonable meta share at this event. I mean, yeah, because I think it'll be like three or four most popular decks, but I don't, it's just weird. Some decks just have like a stigma around them or, um, I mean, obviously like stuff like control decks never get super popular. It doesn't matter how good they are, right? Pidgey Control sure. was arguably the BDIF or uh, second best deck in the format for, for a while, but it wasn't going to bring up that big of a meta percentage, right? Compared to stuff like Picaram or Mewtwo at the time. Um, and then you look at something like Flying Pikachu, some decks like that, like the Flying Pikachu arc, like they have a weird stigma around them where it's like, obviously the hype of any deck winning a tournament will drive its popularity like it did when I won an AIC or Andre won Worlds. But after that, and especially because there was like a decent amount of time, there was nothing after NAIC for people to play Flying Pikachu at. And then after Worlds, there's been a big break between Worlds and Baltimore. Um, so there's time for it to kind of develop around like, okay, well, this deck definitely isn't the best deck in the format, um, it's got these bad matchups and those bad matchups and oh reggie can get tough i don't play the dunsparce if they have the boss stars and the escape ropes or whatever like whatever reasoning you put behind it um and i think it is just one of those decks that has a stigma around it where when it's not the bdif and it is a little bit goofy because of the flying pikachu like people are just gonna get turned off by wanting to play the deck um, and i think it is harder to play uh in the sense that if you misplay i feel like you get more punished when you misplay with flying pikachu arceus than you would with like a palky Inteleon deck like you misplay and you're done. That's it. The game's over. But if you misplay with Palkia and Teleon, it's just like, I'll just use another Shady Dealings or something. <laughs> like, there's just like, you have so many more scapegoats once your hand develops, like, past turn one. You have um, less to fall back on whenever you're only getting to use Bibarel for two every turn versus yeah. Inteleon for any piece of your entire deck, right? Exactly. Right. You always execute a game plan. You might pick the wrong game plan, but you'll execute a game plan with Palkia and Teleon because you shady dealings for your two cards. But with B Barrel, there's so much more preparation around thinning out your deck and playing towards, you know, two turns ahead. Like you're you're playing towards B Barrel drawing you into that boss's orders yeah. or whatever. In this many turns, I need to hit this card, so I need to play these things in this order type of things. Yeah, yeah. And there's of course some of that with every deck, but yeah, I feel like it's just one of the it's just the deck in the format that we're in, it's just there's a stigma around it. And there's just always been like decks like that in the past. Like I said, control decks are an easy one to look at where it's just like, doesn't matter how good the deck is, it's not gonna be that popular. Um, and I feel like we've had enough time where the hype will not carry the popular will not carry the popularity of Arceus flying Pikachu. Like I said, it's in my top three picks for Baltimore. Um, but I don't think it'll be uh, in the top two most popular decks, or we'll even be like fighting for a slot against Palkia or Mew. True. So something uh, to get away from all these boring V Max V Star decks. <laughs> oh, and also like two... I mean, like I said, like the like like you said, like it beats the best deck. Why wouldn't more people play it? I mean, we saw the results at Worlds. Like everyone just played the best deck, and then it did do that. But not a lot of people took that idea, and it wasn't like fifty percent Palkia, fifty percent Flying Pikachu in top thirty-two. You know, and the meta won't be as heavy to Palkia most likely at Baltimore. Like. 
oh, yeah, thousand people at the like tournament. The... There's not going to be five hundred Palkias. <laughs> no, <laughs> it'll be like 15, it'll be like fifteen percent probably. Bro, the whole place would be flooded. Way too much water, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so all these boring V stars, V maxes, whatever. I, some of the most exciting decks for me out of Worlds were the single prizers doing well. I think that people just love to see, you know. The little guy standing up to the big behemoths <laughs> of the format, right? So we've got the Radiant Charizard deck that Ross Coffin played, got top 16 with. It's definitely been a lot more popular since Worlds, and I do oh, think yeah. the deck is super strong, and it's really um, fun to play as well, uh, finding ways to recycle this one little Charizard turn after turn after turn. <laughs> and then also Reggie Gigas, which got two placements in the top 32. So we've got two single prize decks here. Of the two, which one would you peg to place higher? And do you think it would be a top eight spot? Or, you know, are we looking at, like, probably similar to Worlds, one makes it into top 16, a couple more in top 32 type thing? Uh, so the Radiant Charizard deck is really hard to play. Um, I think it is better than Reggie. I, I wouldn't be surprised if either made top eight. I don't think Reggie's bad. I think it's just a bad deck to pick if your goal is to do well, because I think there's just so much more left up to chance with Reggie, right, than, than a Radiant Zardek. I think the Radiant Zardek is super good. I don't think you really lose heavily to any of the major decks. Even Flying Pikachu, if they don't rock Roxanne, like, I feel like Marnie doesn't really do that much, and you have some solid lines to get around the Flying Pikachu. Um, you could even, if you're really scared of that matchup, you could throw in, like, an Escape Rope to uh, to really help you out and uh, uh, make that matchup a lot better. And if no one's running Roxanne in their Flying Pikachu B-Barrel decks, then, like, they have no way to hard lock you out towards the end of the game. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't think people be, will I, be playing Roxanne and I don't know that people should be yeah. playing Roxanne and Arceus flying Pikachu. Mm. I listened to, I mean, you might feel different. Obviously you won with a Roxanne in your deck, but I listened to an interview with Andre, uh, on the tag team podcast. Um, and one of the things he talked about was how, when he was testing Arceus flying Pikachu for worlds, kind of one of the early things he, one of the early decisions he came to was that he just shouldn't play the Roxanne because it's a one of in a deck where you can't go fetch it out at any time. Like you can with Intellion, right? So just rather, uh, play for Marnie and, you know, Marnie path is still pretty good through the middle of the game. So if you brick your opponent for a couple turns off Marnie path, that's going to be good enough usually anyway, Yeah. compared to, um, you know, Roxanne in the late game. Yeah, I mean, and for the I mean for the list Andre played for what he expected, I think that's fine. But like against the Mew matchup and the, the and the Charizard matchup, like the Roxanne does a lot. Uh, it just does a lot, and especially when you play something like if you play something like the Luminian, you can just go find it. Especially against the Mew matchup, right? Either they're not doing very much because they didn't bump your stadium, or they bumped your stadium, so then you can go Luminian for Roxanne, play Roxanne, right? Um, and then against the Radiant Charizard matchup, you just have enough time to find it. And Mar no amount of Marnie slows that deck down. The Radiant Charizard deck, once it sets up, does not care if you Marnie them every single turn in a row. Four cards is a lot of cards for that deck to work with. So, um, yeah, I definitely like the Roxanne more headed into Baltimore. I, I think for Andre's list and what he was trying to beat, I think it makes sense to not play Roxanne. But moving into Baltimore, I think I would rock the Roxanne for sure. Rock the Roxanne. Um, for me, I think between the two, which one I think would place higher, uh, is probably Radiant Charizard because I do think the deck is better. I think there will be more Reggie Gigas doing well though through the tournament because yeah. like you mentioned, the Charizard deck is harder to play. Um, but I think like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some really good players pick the deck up and, and try to, to do well with it. I would not be surprised to see either of these two decks in top eight, similarly to, to you. So uh, another fun one here, a surprise pick for top eight. So obviously I think we we're expecting to see 
you know, Palkia make top eight. We wouldn't be surprised to see Muse and Arceus Flying Pikachus or even Radiant Zarda Reggie. We wouldn't be su super surprised to see any of these things kind of sneak their way into top eight. Do you have any other surprises, though? Is there anything out there that you think might find a way to sneak its way in? One of these other kind of rogue decks or, or tier three decks, like these things that pop up every once in a while? Um, I would go with like maybe Arceus Agron to be honest, because like that deck, like the Agron. Yeah, I think I mentioned it maybe on the podcast last week or the week before. It was I, when I looked at the deck, I was like, this deck looks terrible. There's no way. But then I played it and I was like, well, it actually kind of works out. You win a lot of games, um, more than I thought you would. So yeah, I give it to the Arceus Agron. I know some people, uh, like play like it is a it was played towards the you know the end of the format. Like people actually play the deck. It wasn't like one of those decks that was like looks weird, is weird. One person makes a top eight at a regional, and then no one picks it up and tries to make it work. Um, we know some people were playing it, so I think yeah, I'm gonna give it to the give it to the Arceus Agron because actually the deck's pretty cool. My answer is gonna be the same as it was for the World Championships. It didn't make top eight, but there was one player in the top thirty-two, Christian Labella, oh, playing no. the Arceus Duraludon. Now I that is so bad. <laughs> I don't think Arceus Duraludon is very good, but. I mean, you can't deny that, like, it just has auto wins or, like, really positive matchups out there. Like, the deck, and it does lose to those positive matchups sometimes, but, you know, every <laughs> deck loses to its positive matchups sometimes. The, 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 uh, I think that, you know, on paper, Arceus Duraludon has a shot. Has a shot. I can also see, like, like talking about Arceus Duraludon made me remember, think about Milwaukee. I could see Blissey actually squeaking in. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Blissey. Or a Mewtwo V-Union as well. Yeah, I could also do it. Uh, there was a little bit of Mewtwo V-Union hate from the Palkia lists at Worlds. Do you think people keep those crabs. texts in? The, the crabs and the Empoleons and stuff? Empoleon is also, like, don't don't uh, underestimate Empoleon as an answer to Mewtwo V-Union. Not because the Empoleon itself does anything to the Mewtwo itself, but because the only way that the Mewtwo V-Union deck functions is by using Gormandize every single turn for the first, like, <laughs> ten turns. And you can't use Gormandize if there's an Empoleon in the active, right? Yeah. I don't know. The Crab, the Crabamo was, like, okay uh, as an answer for that. I don't know if it does too much else outside. I guess it can, it's never a terrible attack, right? If you play Goon and Quick Shooting, like, kind of like James and Kaiwen did. Oh, I think it, it um, like, can one-hit KO a Duraludon, right? So... Yeah, and Stonejourner. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, even if you go up against, like, a Mirror Match... It's not like opening it would suck, but it's not truly dead. You could attack with a turn two, I guess, right? Um, but it's like one of those things where I think it's only really good against those high HP Pokemon in a thousand person tournament where those decks are going to be making up one, two percent of the meta share. Um, I probably wouldn't specifically rock a counter for the Mewtwo V Union, um, but like I would probably, like if I played Palkia Ice Rider, uh, I would probably play the, uh, the Empoleon sure like because the empoleon in there is like good against reggie uh and then it's also good against that matchup so it has a little bit more versatility and speaking of the palkia ice rider a deck that you played at world you yourself got a top 32 finish and testing partner grant manley got top 16 with it um deck does seem pretty decent still i know between milwaukee and naic you didn't really see a reason to change off of flying pikachu you made a couple adjustments is this kind of a similar situation for you going into baltimore like you played the deck it did pretty well at worlds a couple wins away whatever it was things didn't quite go your way to get into top eight um you know you made top 16 at milwaukee into winning naic you know we're going <laughs> top 32 at worlds into top eighting baltimore with the same deck 
I'm definitely less confident in Paul. Paul Cashman is probably my fourth pick right now. Like I usually like have, try and go to like a top two, top three going into a tournament. They don't have your list on Limitless. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I just never tweeted it out or anything. It's just it's just, gr- it's just Grants, a list that yeah. yeah, it's just the same as Grants. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably I, I just like really like the deck, but I don't think I would play it. Like I think there's gonna be a little bit too much Mew for my for my liking, so I'm not gonna play. I wouldn't play the Ice Rider Pocket. I think it's a very good deck. You do have a really good matchup spread to be honest. But you can kind of beat anything, which is why I really liked the deck overall like there's no bad matchups and you have some really good matchups as well like your arceus your, your matchup against arceus decks in general is just insanely good um you got some really good matchups um don't have really many that bad matchups but the mew like i said the mew i'm expecting it to be most popular second most popular deck so i'm, I'm currently straying away from the ice rider but if i really can't pick between anything else it is one of my favorite decks to play in the format right in that format right now so i would i would maybe consider it just because of that if i really can't feel that comfortable about anything else and then one more deck I wanted to talk about for sure. Something that was uh, toted as one of the best decks for Worlds and was pretty absent from Worlds. Uh, maybe it's picked 16. up a little bit in play now. And that is the classic good old-fashioned Arceus <laughs> Intellion. Just the basic water version. Um, you know, the Sharon's Cares. Kind of the Arceus that we knew for the last you know five six months that just really didn't do much at the world championships do you think there's yeah. any cause for that deck to have a resurgence or is the fact that it doesn't have a great palkia matchup still too much for it i i think it will have a resurgence i think it'll be for a lot of bad reasons that the players who choose to play it play it and probably some poor judgment um or maybe just a love of arc intel i think it is a little bit it's kind of funny i think it is a little bit more of an american deck as well so that's true um i think it is a little bit of an american deck uh so i think that will lead to it being a little bit more played in baltimore um there's no real hype behind it but i don't think that really has too much i think it will be up we'll see a little bit of a resurgence not too much it's not going to be like the top it's not going to be mew arc intel palkia like it has been in the past I think it'll be like fifth, sixth most popular deck. It'll probably be right there. And maybe it could it could bump up to maybe like fourth, but um, I still don't think the deck's very good. So I, I wouldn't recommend playing it, but um, I think it'll be a little bit more popular than, than we've been seeing. And I think there is cause to like the deck for this weekend, right? Like if you think Arceus Flying, like if you just look at the world's results and you're not following the online meta, you're not listening to the podcasts, you're not you know watching Twitter and stuff like that. You just look at the world's results. You see Flying Pikachu, one, two, three um you know those decks all three of those lists look like they lose to arc intel with dunsparce right um, well i mean two of them have jolteon and decidueye so i think those like the jolteon list i think you're okay, probably sure, unfavored sure. against but but i don't like, think like anyone's said, really expecting jolteon to be yeah the mainstay right like i would be i don't think so no i, I think most people who play arceus flying p are gonna go after the you know the winning list with the the bbrl because bbrl is generally just you know, consistency is good. Um, yeah. The Jolteon <laughs> lists from the Japanese players are very clunky, right? Uh, you just try and make your opponent's deck clunky as well and be like, all yes, right, here we go. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the fact that everything in the deck attacks for two energy attachments like makes it work enough, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, yeah, no, I could, I could see that. Yeah, and if you, if you do slap a Dunsparce in there to deal with the situation, you are definitely favorable you have your ordinary rod to recover. It doesn't matter if they play four boss. Having to go away to boss a Dunsparce multiple times is not ideal. Um, so, yeah. No, I could definitely see it like that being one of people. But I think that's a mis, uh, a misguided reason or a you know poor judgment call still in the end. Like, I don't think 
arc B barrel is going to be that popular or arc flying peak in general. So I think it would be a uh, a poor reason to play arc Intellin when you're just going to get bopped by Muse and Palkids probably all day. Well, any last closing thoughts before we close things out here for Baltimore regionals? You're going to be playing, competing. Um, it doesn't feel like uh, like you were mentioning. It, it's not. You know, these in-between tournaments at the end of a format, whenever the new sets come out, it's kind of like thrown off to the side. Do you, how do you expect that, you know, mentality for a lot of players to play a role in like kind of just the overall emotion of the event and like how you finally decide on a deck? Um, I mean, I'm pretty, I pretty much have the information I want, you know, from the format to like make a deck decision. So I'm not too worried about that. I don't think it'll like... I think people will be a little bit maybe lazier with their deck choice, like you kind of mentioned, than maybe, uh, you know, other tournaments that would have happened in this format. People will be a little bit lazier, right? Like just comfort picks, best decks. Hey, there's a lot of Palkia will play the Pikachu, right? Those kind of like like where they would have put a little bit of extra thought in and maybe played something different, right? Um, Try a little bit harder to make that meta call. Um, so a little bit lazier of a tournament. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it does, like you mentioned, like it does kind of feel like maybe people will, like, the emotions of the tournament just feels like a little bit more relaxed or lax of a tournament because it's not the new format. Um, and a lot of people will probably excited to be playing the new cards. I'm sure a lot of people will have new decks on them to play, you know, uh, throughout the weekend where that after they've dropped or just, you know, <clears throat> on Sunday when they're done playing or whatever, a lot of people are going to have the new cards with them to be playing with. And maybe even the side events will allow new cards as well. So people will be able to test out some of their decks at the side events. We'll see. But uh, no, I'm excited to be there. Um, if you uh, see me and want to say what's up, be sure to do. I still have a couple of the dice on me because I forgot to bring them to Worlds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to bring the dice with me to Worlds. So I have a couple uncommon energy dice on me and I'll have them at Baltimore Regional. So if you want one, just say what's up uh, and ask me for a die and then I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. But uh, excited to play and compete again, though, for sure this weekend. Uh, any uh, any last uh, comments from you, Chip, head into Baltimore? I don't think so. Yeah, excited to see kind of uh, what ends up doing well. I mean, am I excited? I'm kind of excited. No, <laughs> no I'm excited. <laughs> I always love seeing the results of Pokemon tournaments. I hope My hope for Baltimore is that someone just really sends the format out with a bang and like Agron VMAX wins the event. Like something crazy. You know? That's, that would be that, cool, that's yeah. what I'm hoping to see. Uh, and hopefully it'll happen. We'll see, though, yeah. this weekend. <laughs> uh, and thanks to all of you for listening, following along with us here, either on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do that right now is to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're uh, closing in on 3,000 subscribers here on YouTube or by leaving a rating on your podcasting platform. Those things go a long way in helping uh, new people find the podcast. So we really appreciate all the support as always. And if you want to follow along with us, with our Pokemon journeys, with our lives, you can do that over on social media. The best place to do that really is just Twitter. You can follow myself at Trainer Chip. You can follow Azul at Azul underscore GG. And you, of course, can also follow the Uncommon Energy podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yep. Thanks, everyone, as always, for all the support. Uh, good luck to anyone going to any tournaments this weekend, a couple regionals, and the special event over in Bilbo. And we'll catch you all next Tuesday at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. Peace. <laughs>